What is the reason for the third cup of wine? And how does this connect with Leah? And the third child who is the Tam, the simpleton? And how does the fourth cup of wine connect with Rachel and the child She'eni de Elisha that cannot even ask? We find that in the Jerusalem Talmud, it talks about the four special portions of the Torah that are read prior to the holidays of Purim and Pesach. Before Purim, we read two additional portions of the Torah. And before Passover or Pesach, we also read two additional portions of the Torah. So we find that between the first and second additional portion of the Torah, there could be an interruption of another Shabbos in between. Between the second or the third additional portion of the Torah, there could also be the interruption of another Shabbos in between. But between the third and the fourth portion, there cannot be any interruption. In other words, the third Shabbos and the fourth Shabbos go right after one the other. They follow one the other. And the simon and the proof or the mnemonic that is brought in the Talmud is that when it comes to the cups of wine at the Seder, between the first and second cup of wine we can drink. Between the second and third cup of wine we could also drink. Between the third cup of wine and the fourth cup of wine we do not drink. What do we see from here? That the third and fourth cup of wine have a connection. That they're truly one. There cannot be any interruption between the third and the fourth cup of wine. And similarly, both Leah and both Rachel were the wives of one husband. They were both the wives of Yaakov. There was no interruption, no separation between these two sisters, between Rachel and Leah. What is the concept of Rachel? And what is the concept of Leah? These two concepts can be understood by understanding the difference between the third portion, which is called the portion of Parah, and the fourth portion, which is called the portion of HaChodesh. The portion of Parah deals with the red heifer. And the concept of the red heifer represents the atonement for the sin of the golden calf. The calf was a small cow. The red heifer is a large cow. The large cow now atones for the sin of the small cow. The concept of Achodesh deals with the mitzvah of bringing the Paschal Lamb. This is a mitzvah that was brought upon all the Jewish people when God promised them he would take them out of the land of Egypt. And therefore, at that time, they all, so to speak, converted to Judaism. And we are told that a convert that converts is like a newborn child. Just like a newborn child has no sin, so too a convert has no sin. All the sins that they had in the past are totally wiped away. So this is the connection between the third portion and the fourth portion. The third portion talks about teshuva, 
talks about repentance. This represents a person who is a Baal Tshuva, a person who returns to Judaism, a person who returns to Yiddishkeit. The fourth portion talks about a tzaddik, one who is righteous. He is FFB, a from from birth. And therefore our rabbis tell us that the third cup and the fourth cup are connected to the third portion and the fourth portion. And that is because in the Pesach Seder, the first two cups of wine represent the past redemption, going out of Egypt. The last two cups of wine, the third and the fourth, represent the future redemption with the coming of Mashiach. In the future redemption, we have the third cup and the fourth cup. The third cup is used for the grace after meals, for the se'udah, the meal that we eat, and now we make a blessing after this meal by having the third cup of wine. This represents the concept of tshuva, when Mashiach will come, God will make a big meal for all the people, and they will eat, and then they will bless God and thank God for the meal. The idea of eating is to elevate the sparks in the food. It's the concept of teshuva, of repentance. And then after that, we will have halavaydah. There will be praise and thanks to God, representing the second dimension of the redemption, after resurrection of the dead. In that generation or in that era, there will be no eating and no drinking. There will be souls and bodies but we will not need to eat or drink. And then all we will do is praise God. And this is the generation of tzaddikim. So Hasidus comes along and says, what is the connection between the third and fourth cup of wine? The connection between the Balchuva, the returning to Judaism, and the tzaddik. And the answer is that the Zohar teaches us that when Mashiach will come, he will bring the tzaddikim to do tshuva. What does it mean that tzaddik will do tshuva? A tzaddik is a person doing everything right. Why does he need to do tshuva? And the answer is that even though a person does everything right, we find that sometimes he does it out of rote. He does it mechanically. And he lacks that vigor and that zest, that excitement of a bal tshuva. A bal tshuva, one who returns to Judaism, he comes into the shul for the first time, he sees everybody singing, he sings in the top of his lungs, he's all excited about the shul, about davening, about prayer, because it's the first thing, it's, the, it's new, it's something which is, which is fresh, and therefore he's excited about it. A tzaddik already did it for many years, it's old, it loses that excitement. And therefore it says, when Mashiach will come, even tzaddikim are going to do tshuva, that every Jew... Even the FFB, the one who's from from birth, will be excited about Judaism like today God gave us the Torah anew. So this is the third cup and the fourth cup. How do these two concepts connect with Rachel and Leah? And how do these two concepts connect with the Tam, the simple son or the simple child and the one that cannot ask? We find that in Kabbalah it says that Leah represents the concept of Balchuva. Leah represents the concept of repentance. Why does Leah represent the concept of repentance? Because when the Torah speaks about Leah, it says that her eyes were dim. 
And the Medrash explains that Leah did a lot of crying. And the reason was she was afraid she was going to marry Esav, the twin of Jacob, because people told her, you know, that uh, Rivka has two children, Esav and Yaakov. Esav is the older one. Yaakov is the younger one. And so too, Lavan had two daughters, and they were Leah and Rachel. Leah was the older one, Rachel was the younger one. And therefore they said, Leah, the older one, will marry the older son, which is Esav Harasha, the wicked Esav. And Rachel, the younger one, will marry Yaakov, who's the Tam, the one who sits all day and studies Torah. So Leah was crying all day. So Kabbalistically it says, this represents the concept of tshuva, a person who realizes they made mistakes in their past and now they cry and ask God for forgiveness. So Leah represents now the third cup of wine, which is the concept of teshuva, the concept of return. For this meal that God will make when Mashiach will come will be to refine and elevate all these sparks, to return these sparks to God. And this concept we said earlier is the concept of teshuva, which alludes to the, the red heifer, which is the repentance and the atonement for the sin of the golden calf. And this is the meaning of the third child. What does the third child say? The Tam comes to the Seder, we call him the simpleton, and he says, Mazois, what is this? He's all excited. He says, wow, this is amazing. We're having wine and matzah and murrah and, and delicious food. And the story of Egypt is phenomenal. It actually really happened, the ten plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea. I thought it was a myth. This is amazing. And he's coming to the Savior and he's on a big high and he's excited. He says, wow, mazois, how do I reach this level every single day of the year? This person is about tshuva. He never had a formal Jewish education. He's not learned. But, but he comes to the Seder and the, the Pinta Layid comes out. And he's all excited. He says, Mazois, wow, this is amazing. How do I implement this into my daily life? So comes along the mother, Leah, and she tells her child, look, my child, you want to be about Shuva? You really want to return to Yiddishkeit? You have to know, Bechoyzik Yod with a mighty hand, God took us out of Egypt. What does it mean God took us out with a mighty hand from Egypt? So the Rebbe explains that the Jewish people were supposed to be in Egypt for 400 years. That was the promise to Abraham. And in truth, if you calculate the years, from when they came into Egypt until they left, it was only Redu, which is 210 years. What happened was God took them out of Egypt early and came along the attribute of judgment and said to God, God, how can you let the Jews go? 400 years are not up. So with a mighty hand, God had to argue and wrestle with this attribute of Gevura and say, look, I'm taking them out against your will. This is my decision. This is what I'm going to do. So Bechayzigyad represents a mighty hand. And so too Leah tells her child, if you want to be a Baal it's not about drinking four cups of wine, it's not always about being high in Judaism. 
not every day is Simchas Torah, not every day is Purim, not every day are holidays, but you have to know, there has to be a mighty hand. A mighty hand represents the concept of discipline. Every single day you have to get up in the morning and you wash Nagel Vasar and you say Moidani first. And then you have to daven and then you have to make a bracha before you eat. And if you're a man, you put on tefillin. You have to give charity every day and pray three times a day and have a kosher kitchen and a kosher home and one set of dishes for milk, another set of dishes for meat, another set of dishes for Passover. It's because of it's hard work. You have to have this mighty hand, this discipline to really become a Beltruv. And this is the way Leah teaches her child, the tongue, to truly become a Baltruv. And we know that it says on the level that a Baltruv stands, even a Tzaddik Gomer, a complete Tzaddik, cannot stand. Because a person who's from from birth and all his life he studied Torah, for him it's a natural thing. This Tom, who was not born religious, though he was born a Jew, never had this upbringing, and for him to be religious and follow the Torah is totally foreign. And therefore demands tremendous discipline, and it's very, very hard to change your lifestyle, to change your nature. And therefore it says the Rambam, that in the place that a Baal Tshuva stands, even a complete tzaddik cannot stand. Because this excitement that he has when he does a mitzvah, and this self-sacrifice that he had to do the mitzvah, puts him on a pedestal even beyond that of the tzaddik. So this is the third cup of wine. What is the fourth cup of wine? This is the cup of wine of Rachel. We are told that the Torah says, pertaining to Rachel, she was your fast toyah, your fast mother. She was beauty in physique and beauty in complexion. And our rabbis tell us that this is a metaphor for one who was perfect in the mitzvos, the 613 commandments, the 248 positive commandments, and the 365 negative commandments. She was perfect in all areas of the Torah. She was a tzaddik. She was the FFB, the from from birth. However, we said earlier that the from from birth, because they're from from birth, sometimes they don't have the, the same excitement about Torah and mitzvahs like the Baltruva, the returning to Judaism. And this we find here is the meaning of the She'enu De'elisha, the child that cannot ask. The Rebbe says the child that cannot ask is not a child who's dumb. It's not a child that is ignorant. It's not a child that is unlearned. On the contrary, he went to yeshiva all his life. And he knows the town where he studies Daf Yomi every day. And he learns three chapters of Ramam every day. And he does chitas every day. And he dabbles three times a day with a minion. He puts on tefillin. He does all the things right. And he keeps Shabbos, Behidur. So what's the problem? The problem is, there's no excitement about Yiddishkeit. He takes it for granted. This is the way it is. Of course God performs miracles. God is God. Of course he could do all these things. I'm not excited about it. I, I heard the story last year already. There's nothing new for me in it this year. <clears throat> yes, I'll, I'll eat the matzah and I'll eat the murrah and I'll drink the four cups of wine and I'll uh, do everything properly. But 
it lacks the simcha, it lacks the joy, it lacks the excitement. And that's why it's called Sheini Yudeya Lishel. The word Yudeya is Das. We explain many times that there are three levels to intellect. There's the concept, which is called Chachma. There's Bina, which is understanding. And then there's Das, which means excitement. After you thought about something and you really understand it, you get excited about it. He is any idea. He lacks this concept of das, of excitement in Judaism. And therefore, Lishel, he doesn't ask any questions because nothing phases him, nothing excites him. So, why do we say, at psachloi? You have to open his mouth. And it's interesting that the word at is beloshin nikeva is the feminine term, the feminine form, implying the mother has to talk to him. Who's the mother? It's Rachel. Rachel at Psachloi. Why does Rachel have to open his mouth? Because in Kabbalah it says that Rachel represents the attribute of Dibor, the attribute of speech. So it's her speech that has to open up the mouth of the child that cannot ask he, like Rachel, is an FFB. He, like Rachel, is from, from birth, and he's perfect in his actions. But <coughs> Rachel can speak. <coughs> Rachel can talk. Rachel gets excited. And this child, on the contrary, does not get excited. And therefore, what does Rachel tell this child? Because of this, us Hashem lead, did God perform for us these miracles that say, what is there? What is this? Because of this, what is this? This means that we have in front of us the Pesach, the Paschal Lamb. We have in front of us the Matzah. And we have in front of us the Murrah. These are the three essential parts of the Seder. If one does not talk about Pesach, the Paschal Lamb, that God passed over the homes of the Jewish people. And if he doesn't talk about Matzah, that we ran out in haste, and there's no time for the matzah, for the bread to rise. And we don't talk about marar, the bitter herbs. We have not fulfilled our mitzvah at the Pesach Seder. So why do we tell the She'en De'elisho? Why do we tell this child? At Sachloi Rachel tells this child, you know, my child, you're a beautiful kid. You're beautiful in appearance and beautiful in physique. You do everything right. But you lack the geschmack, you lack the excitement. And therefore you have to eat the Pesach. You have to eat the Paschal lamb. What is the Paschal lamb? It's delicious lamb that was roasted. It's so tasty that you taste it in your mouth. It says after you eat the Paschal lamb, you're not allowed to eat any other food. That taste of the Paschal lamb has to be in your mouth. Judaism is about excitement. Judaism has to have flavor. Judaism has to have a taste. And if you lack that excitement, you don't have that connection to ask, that excitement to ask, then you're missing out the whole Seder. And then you have to have matzah. You have to be humble. You take it for granted you went to yeshiva. You take it for granted that you know how to learn. There are plenty, plenty of people out there who cannot learn. Study, study with them. Teach them the olive base. Start helping other people. Don't care about yourself all day. And then marer. Marar is bitterness. If a person truly, truly contemplates his situation 
and meditates upon where he came from and where he has to go and what his potential is. And are you truly fulfilling your potential? You come to a state of bitterness. You realize that you're far from the truth. You realize you're far from where you belong. You realize there's a lot more to do. And there's nothing to be complacent about. There's nothing to be excited about. On the contrary, you have to start asking yourself these questions. And then when you begin to ask yourself the question, you too will reach this level of Pesach, that you'll be able to go beyond your previous level. You'll be able to jump over your previous level. And you too will be able to become one with the Baal Tshuva, the one that has an excitement for Yiddishkeit. And the Rebbe makes another point about the Shein Elisha. Don't think that in general this child is not an excited person. You know, there are certain people by nature, they're very quiet and they don't get excited about anything. But this is not the child that we're talking about. When it comes to business, the guy is a tiger. He's emotional and excited and he tries to do deals and he tries to outsmart his, his opponent. He's involved. You see the excitement, the joy. He comes home at night and tells his wife, oh, tonight I bought another building and tonight I made another great deal. He's all excited. But when it comes to Torah, he learns Torah because he has to learn Torah. There's no excitement. So says the mother Rachel, and at Psachloi, the feminine form here, for Rachel is talking and saying to the child, you have to be excited. And we find that women by nature are more, are more emotional than men. And that's a very positive thing. Because that's the role of the Jewish woman, to bring emotion back to Judaism. To teach your children that when you do a mitzvah, there has to be love and there has to be awe of God. There has to be excitement. And you have to taste that afikoyman in your mouth all year long. So this is the third cup and this is the fourth cup. And they're really one cup that connected. There's no interruption between the two because even the tzaddik, even the FFB has to acknowledge the beauty of the Baal Tshuva and he too should want to become a Baal Tshuva to return to Judaism with excitement and with vigor and with zest. But then there's also another cup. We call this the cup of Elijah. The fifth cup. And we find that in the Code of Jewish Law, in chapter 480, Nalte in the fourth and the fifth paragraph, discusses this concept. And he says that on the night of Pesach, it's customary to open up the door. And as you know, we take two candles and we allow Elijah the prophet, so to speak, to come in. But the Al-Darebbe says in Shulchan Aruch something different. He says that the concept of opening up the door is to remind ourselves that tonight is called Leil Shemurim. It's a night of watching. That God watches over the homes of the Jewish people and he protects us and no evil can befall us tonight. And then he goes on to say, And in the merit of this faith, that we have faith that God is truly watching over us tonight and nothing had happened. And that's why we open up the door. In this faith, Yovay Mashiach, Mashiach will come. And then he goes on to say in paragraph number five, 
that it's also customary not to lock your doors of your house tonight, on the night of Pesach. Why? Because it's a night of Shemurim. Not a night of remembrance, but rather a night that has been designated for many, many generations. That this is the night that has been designated for us to leave this exile. Just like we left exile in Mitzrayim over 3,300 years ago tonight, so too tonight is the night, so too tonight is the night that you are going to leave this exile as well. And therefore, you leave the doors open. You know why? Because... Elijah is going to come to your house to tell you Mashiach is here. And therefore, the door will be opened, and therefore Elijah will be able to come in faster, and you'll be able to run out quicker, and you won't have to waste any time unlocking the door to bring him in and reminding yourself where you put the key, etc., etc. It says the Alter Rebbe that, And this Amunah, this faith, it's such a great faith that you get tremendous reward for having this faith. So there are two concepts over here. Number one, opening the door during the Seder and saying tonight God protects us. And then there's the concept of not locking your doors all night so that Elijah the prophet can come in very quickly and you can leave swiftly and greet the Mashiach on this very night. How does this connect with the fifth cup of wine? In truth, we can also say that the concept of opening the door is to open the door for the fifth child. The child that we spoke about earlier at the second cup of wine. And that is the child that says, The fifth child that says, Our forefathers served idols. This is the child that never made it to the Pesach Seder. And now, our job is to go out and bring that child in. And this is one of the great accomplishments of Elijah the prophet. It says, that one of the great accomplishments of Elijah the prophet will be he will return the children to their fathers. Because, as we know today, there's a great generation gap. Yes, my grandfather and my father were holy, righteous people in Europe. That was before the Holocaust. Today, we're living in America. It's a new generation, the 21st century. We have to be Americans. Elijah will bring the children back to their parents, back to the way things used to be. And furthermore, through the children, the parents will also come back to Yiddishkeit. They too will become Bali Tshuva. They too will become more enthusiastic with Yiddishkeit. So the fifth cup represents Elijah the prophet, who will bring back those who are not at the Seder table. And by bringing back these children, God will bring us back with the coming of Mashiach. And being that each of the four cups of wine were connected with 
one of the mothers of Israel, we must say that this cup of wine is also connected with the mother of Israel. I believe that the fifth cup of wine is connected with the cup of Miriam. Because the concept of Amunah, the concept of faith, we find by Miriam more than any other of the prophets. We know that Miriam, as a very young girl, told her parents that you will give birth to the Savior of Israel. And even though Yocheved and Amram, the parents of Moshe, already separated, Miriam said you have to get back together. And if not, you're going to hold back the redemption. So they listened to the prophecy of Miriam. And they rejoined and gave birth to Moshe Rabbeinu. But we know that Pharaoh had a decree. Any boy that was born was thrown into the Nile. So now they come around to find Moshe Rabbeinu, this little kid that was born. So Amram, says the Medrash, taps Miriam on the forehead. Miriam, my daughter, you got us into this mess. You made us give birth to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now the guards and soldiers are looking for him. So what's going to happen with your prophecy? And Miriam took Moshe and put him into the Nile, and she stood from the distance to watch what would happen with her prophecy. She knew that Moshe would be the Savior. She did not know how it would play out. So she stood from the distance to see how Moshe Rabbeinu was going to save the Jewish people. Now Moshe Rabbeinu took the Jews out of Egypt when he was 80 years old. So Miriam was waiting for 80 years. And that's why her name was Miriam. Miriam means murder, like the bitter herbs. It was the most bitter time of the Jewish exile in Egypt, those last 80 years. And every day, she would cry and pray to God, God, when is Moshe Rabbeinu going to free the Jews? And she never gave up her emunah. She never gave up her faith. And that is why 80 years later, when Moshe Rabbeinu came back and took the Jews out of Egypt, and finally, after leaving Egypt on the seventh day of the Exodus, God performed a miracle. And the Sea of Reeds split. And the Jews went across... And the army followed in pursuit. And the waters covered over the Egyptian army. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He sang, Az Yashir Moshe. He had a song. But we find that after Moshe Rabbeinu sang, it says Miriam, the sister of Aaron, took the tambourines in her hand and she began to sing and dance. This song... And this dance of Miriam was greater than the song that Moshe Rabbeinu performed because it was accompanied by instruments. It was accompanied by dancing. Now why was Miriam's song greater than Moshe? Because she 80 years awaited the redemption. For 80 years she prayed for it to happen. She prayed for Moshe Rabbeinu to be born and she saw this little child being put into the Nile and then brought into the house of Pharaoh and then leaving into the house of Midian to his father-in-law Jesro for 40 years until he came back.
And every day she continued to pray and every day she continued to strengthen her faith. So this bitterness, when it was turned around into redemption, brought about a greater joy and a greater happiness. And this is the mission of each and every one of us. That every single day we must follow Miriam. To have this amuna, have this faith in God. That he's going to bring about the Mashiach. And every day we have to have this yearning and awaiting, knowing he's going to come. And what gives us the strength to do this? This is the cup of Elijah. It's by opening the door and saying, I believe Mashiach is going to walk in. And even if he didn't come at the Satan, that I'm going to sleep tonight, I'm still going to keep the door open because I know that Elijah is coming tonight and he's taking me out of Gulls. And this is the cup of Elijah and the cup of Miriam, which inculcates into each and every one of us this faith, this amunah in the ultimate geula and the ultimate redemption. And I saw an interesting teaching from the Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father writes that being that we know that the four cups of wine represent the women and the three matzah represent the men, so we can deduce from this that being that we start the Seder first with two cups of wine and then we conclude the Seder with two cups of wine and the matzah is in the middle, from here we see that women truly come first, that women truly are the initiators and the forefront of Yiddishkeit and everything good. And that ultimately it's going to be in the end of time, in the end of days, it's going to be the women that will bring about the Geula. It will be the women that bring about the redemption. Because every mother of Israel has the power of Sarah and Rivka and Rachel and Leah and Miriam in their blood, is their DNA. And they were given the mission to impart this emunah, this faith to their children. And we are told... That is the merit of the righteous women that our forefathers were redeemed from the land of Egypt in the first time. And so too, says that Izal, that the souls of this generation are a reincarnation of the souls that left Egypt. And the Rebbe goes on to say, and therefore it will be in the merit of the righteous women in this generation that will bring about the ultimate Geula, that will bring about the ultimate redemption. And so we hope and pray that... All of the Saris and the Rivkas and the Rachels and the Leahs and the Miriams and all the daughters of Israel will truly inspire themselves and then inspire us to bring about this Amuna to have this true faith in the coming of Mashiach. And this year, Passover, the Shana Abab Yerushalayim, we should celebrate in Jerusalem with the Paschal Lamb, with the Third Holy Temple, from Hera Amen. Amen. Can you hear our tone?